podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boys. Come on, boys. Boom! The boys are back, and it is a little different episode. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about what I thought this episode was going to be about. Because you know what? We're going to keep the vibes high. Nothing keeps the vibes higher than talking about the Big 12 football preseason media poll. Now, some people, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, who cares about that? You know, it's, it's just the media was something to talk about. Yes, 100%. Media days in the preseason media poll are to give the media and stupid jabronis like me who have a podcast uh, who allegedly don't know ball um, something to talk about in July. And quite frankly, I am thankful for it. Uh, but you know, because I I understand, you know, you guys are like, come on, Scott, bring on, bring on someone who knows even more than you. We want to hear from more people. Hey, we miss this dude named Drew. I was like, who's Drew? Oh, Drew Galloway. That's who you guys miss. The number two man over at K State Online, the Wonder Kid of covering K State football recruiting, a guy who most definitely knows ball even though he forgot to hit send on the email to submit his media ballot. You know him. You love him. There's like two random people on the internet who hate him. Drew, welcome back to the show. I don't actually know if anyone hates you. I was just kind of rambling. I mean, how sure are you doing, my somebody. friend? Oh, I'm sure there bad. is. There's haters everywhere, but how are exactly. you doing, my friend? We're not too bad, you know, 4th of July yesterday. We were a little slow today, but, you know, that's that's typical didn't even drink a whole lot, but it was like just sitting outside all day. It'll it'll do it to you. I wanted nothing to do with being outside. I, I was lucky enough to go up to Illinois. I was hanging out with my buddy, Matt. Uh, it was hot and muggy up there because it was just raining a ton. Uh, just south of Chicago. We had a great time. Came back. And uh, so for July, you know, I, I said, all right, we're we're doing at least two shows a week as we get closer to Blitz Month in August and going uh, five shows a week again I was like all right gotta ramp it up and I I thought I thought I was gonna have something to talk about uh everything went about as wrong as possible but but I dm you I was like hey you want to talk about the big 12 uh you know preseason media poll you're like oh yeah for sure and then like shortly after I had no idea it was getting released today we have the preseason big 12 poll we have the individual sport or the individual awards and all that type of stuff tomorrow. So as folks are listening to this, I'm going to release it on Thursday, Thursday, they're going to release one through 14. I might have a reaction to that, but we do know everyone who is on the all conference, the preseason all conference team. We're going to talk about that. We're going to react to that. But before we do, I do want to talk about the latest absolute massive recruiting win for K-State football because you know what that that's where you're at your best I think you do a lot of things well I think covering recruiting is the thing you're best at and Caden Massey 
chose K-State. First, before we talk about the actual recruitment for Mr. Massey, um, what sort of a player is K-State getting? Because I, I think a lot of folks on the surface might be like, you know, he's from Linden. Like, you know, is he playing eight-man football? Like, what's going on here? But before we talk about some of the teams K-State beat out, um, you've seen his tape. You've seen him at camp. What sort of athlete and what sort of offensive lineman is K-State getting? So I've seen him uh, twice this summer slash spring uh, period. And I wasn't sure what to expect going in because I, I had watched some of his junior tape. And there, there were flashes of what you see, but he was still really, really skinny. And that transition, you weren't sure what, what to expect, especially going into uh, the UC report camp in Kansas City in April, which has a bunch of uh, the best prospects around the region uh, that were there. And that's when I saw him for the first time. And he really held his own. And there were four and five star defensive ends that he was going up against in one-on-ones. It was dominating for the most part and then i saw him again at the sharp combine which it was a little bit down this year because it's it's not the strongest year top to bottom in the state but he was still just as dominant and he's really transformed his body and he went from i think he was 250 255 maybe during the fall to now he's up to 280 so he looks a lot better and you can really see what he can become and he has a really, really high ceiling. I mean, we all saw the picture of him and Gus Hawkins uh, at his signing, and he makes Gus Hawkins look really small. So if he can put it all together, he can get up to probably 320, 325, and he he has probably one of the highest ceilings for an offensive lineman that they've had in the in this recent run of offensive linemen. And that, that's saying a lot because it's not like they're just not getting guys that I think have high ceilings I think that he has an NFL ceiling if he reaches it something I talked about after we got that commitment uh he's a multi-sport athlete and in the state of Kansas that's really incentivized for these kids you know there is no formal spring football practice uh, at a lot of these uh schools especially the smaller schools they have to be playing multiple sports uh I think he was a basketball guy I think he threw as well um does that even like mean like, Hey, you know, he's not going to play as a true freshman, but that development from when he steps on campus and becomes a full-time football player for the first time in his life with coach true with coach Riley, um, could the ceiling be even like higher than like folks are like even kind of projecting and looking at it. I, I think that a ceiling is super, super high. Uh, and like you said, he is a three sport athlete, which is one of the reasons that he's not enrolling early because he he said that uh, he thinks that London can win the basketball and uh, track state title. So he wants to uh, stay in school and kind of go from there and, and then get to campus later on. But with how he's progressing, it's it's not hard to say that he won't play a little bit earlier than even I anticipated. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, there was a time where I was – I thought that he was a, a little bit over recruited around like November ish. And then I really saw him this spring take off. And that that's honestly when his whole recruitment really took off. And it, it says a lot about where K-State is right now. And I know that you've touched on this, that this was kind of like a ho hum, like 
K-State got him, they should have. Where, like, three years ago, there would be, like, just, like, a, a parade about getting somebody like Massey. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that recruitment because, again, it, he had one of those, you know, hat ceremonies that seemingly are starting to go very well for K-State anytime they're involved. Um, and, and you look at the hats that are uh, out there. Uh, he took his official visits to Nebraska, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, had offers, you know, from Iowa, Iowa State, Missouri, Oklahoma State. Truly, it was all the regional schools, Michigan State, plus the regional blue blood that is Oklahoma. And, you know, this is the second time in the second offensive lineman, uh, you know, this summer period where you've beat out a ton of regional teams and got a really salty uh, recruiting win. I think there's a little bit more fanfare to this one. And I think that might be because he was a Kansas kid. Um, But this is, you know, I don't want, I mean, I said it, I said it already. I don't know why I'm hesitating, but it feels like this is becoming the norm almost like, Hey, uh, going head to head with Oklahoma. Isn't like an instant, like, all right, throw your hands up and uh, no way we can compete. Nebraska in Iowa, Iowa state, Missouri, Oklahoma. I remember when Oklahoma state was a boogeyman, even trying to get in state kids. And that just isn't the case anymore. Um, when you talk about this recruitment specifically, K-State was in on him the longest, but they really held off a lot of challengers. What are you most impressed, uh, you know, from the K-State perspective on this recruitment? And what did they do really right to kind of keep everyone at arm's length? Uh, for him, I think I'm most impressed that they held off Nebraska because Nebraska made a really big push even towards the end. And they had a really good official visit. Oklahoma, it seemed like the the visit just didn't go quite like he expected or because there was just a a disconnect there. But I'm I'm impressed that they held off Nebraska. And then um, another thing that really impressed me about this recruitment and what they did so well was having him on campus so much. And then they figured out ways to still make every visit unique. Like if you look at this whole class, Every single player has been in Manhattan at least three or four times now. And they're still trying to figure out ways to make every visit unique. And they, the hit rate has been incredible. I mean, we're, we're in July. Uh, yes, this class only has seven guys, but this class will probably only have like 14. So they have half of their class already with two big fish still out there that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. But their the hit rate is insane right now. I mean, they they had I think it was all of the commits took official visits, plus uh Plaz Johnson from Arizona, uh Bricks Boganowski, and Caleb Red, and then Massey. So you've had you've only had eleven official visits. That's unheard of, and it's because yeah, they're hitting on seven so many of, of these them guys. with two more to go. It's wild. Like because they're hitting on so many of these guys that they just haven't had to have other official visits. Like their big official visit weekend only had, I think it was seven visitors. And and it's because they they keep hitting on everybody. And when you have a high hit rate, you don't need to expand out, especially in a small class. Speaking of a high hit rate, one local company that always knows what they're doing is Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle is back joining up with Bosco's boys for another sports season. 
You guys know about their amazing, super comfortable, officially licensed K-State gear, which is the most stylish out there. But you know what? They just dropped a lavender KC Heart t-shirt. Yes, that classic Kansas City Heart logo that you see all over the Metro is now in the color lavender. Does it have anything to do with Taylor Swift coming to town? No, it has nothing to do with that and it is all about Ema and the lavender takeover by K-State fans. Check out charliehustle.com for your officially licensed K-State gear, the Kansas City heart tees, and all sorts of Kansas City landmark stuff, including that lavender KC heart tee. Keep an eye out next week on the Bosco's Boys Twitter account. We will have our first giveaway. We will be doing Charlie Hustle giveaways every single month from now until the end of this next sports season. Get your hustle on. Vintage made fresh charlie hustle check them out all right let's get into those two recruitments that we're really still waiting on i think for the remaining spots we're going to see kind of a reset to it i'm I'm stealing your words that's no great insight from me but grant bricks and michael boganowski both local kids grant bricks a top 100 kid up in iowa the uh you know the on three uh composite number one player and Michael Boganowski, which, you know, what's weird is all four have like different top rated it, guys. It, I was about to say, it's interesting that he's the consensus number one player. Number one, I think that he should be anyway, but it's interesting that he's not number one on any of the sites, but is the consensus number I one. I think he's player. the rival's number one, isn't he? Is or he? Two, four, seven. One of those. I, I think, yeah, I, I think he is the rival's. I think oh, yeah, he's he the, the rival's, rival's number, number one. one and, and, and that's why, and, and they actually call it the composite uh, instead of the consensus, uh, which I've actually had to try to make sure that I change that because <laughs> being the consensus number one, that would be like, uh, you know, Grant Brick, Bricks. Everyone yeah. has him as the number one player in Iowa. Being the composite number one, even despite being number one only on one, is uh, Boganowski. I think it's because he's number two everywhere, right? I think he's number two. Uh, on, I'll, I'll go look right now. Yeah, I think he's number two on on three, number two uh, at two four seven, and number two on ESPN. But ESPN's all, all right. over the place. All right, let's see. It looks like he's he's number two on on three, two on two four seven, one on rivals, and somehow ESPN has not rated him. Okay, well ESPN's <laughs> crazy, um, but you know Price is number one at ESPN, and he's a Wildcat, so like whatever. I will always cherry pick stats to make the K-State guys sound the best. You're at on three. I love on three. They have Grant Bricks in the top 100. Let's start with him. That is a recruitment that has been an absolute slugfest. And stop me if you've heard this before. You know, it's K-State, Nebraska, and Oklahoma going after a guy, uh, which, again, is becoming the new norm. Uh, where do things stand with Grant Bricks, and where does your gut tell you? I don't believe you have an official prediction in, and I'm not telling you to do it because, um, uh, I mean, it's all over the place. I think all three different places uh, have different predictions in with them. I think Mason over on Rivals put a K-State one in, so technically I think it's two for K-State, one for Oklahoma, one for Nebraska. Um, where's your head at and you know what can you tell us about that recruitment so with uh, with grant bricks uh case there was a first offer a long time ago now it's almost a year ago in like three weeks it'll be a year ago to the day and case it was in on early in on him early 
uh, something that has kind of been glossed over this whole time that I try to bring up when we talk about uh, Grant Bricks is that there was a there was a time where it looked like he was going to be K-State's first 2024 commit. And that was in like September. And then that's when he started to blow up the first time. And then he blew up a second time. And then he blew up a third time. K-State's always been right there. Uh, so as we stand right now, it's probably... If I was to put teams in the tiers, I'd say K-State Nebraska would be tier one, and then tier two would be Oklahoma and Alabama. Alabama's probably out. I didn't even mention they... Alabama. The guy went on a damn official visit to Alabama. <laughs> Nick Saban looked him in the eye and said, come to Alabama, son. And he's like, yeah, I don't think so. Alabama's probably out. Oklahoma, we'll see. I, I – personally don't think that he'll go to Oklahoma. So I think it's a battle between K-State and Nebraska. And then it, it depends on who who you kind of hear from and listen to. But with with how I feel, I, I've kind of felt this way for a while, and especially leading up to the K-State visit, I, I've kind of turned to, I think K-State will land bricks, but I'm not going to go out and like make an official prediction right now because he seems pretty content with taking his time and kind of getting back to his normal life. And then he'll eventually uh, commit somewhere. But but I like where K-State stands. I've liked where K-State stands for a while with him. But I would describe it more as like a coin flip and, and like how a, the Nebraska on three site has put in a prediction for Bricks of like, I think it was like the 55%. I think that mine would be like similar, but for the, for a K-State side or for the from the K-State side, because it, it is truly a coin flip right now. Let's go to, uh, you know, that composite number one, Michael Boganowski, down in Junction City. K-State has a rich history with Junction City players. I think a lot of folks see, oh, Kansas kid. He has not grown up his entire life in Kansas, uh, a relatively new member to the Sunflower State. But K-State seems to have been there the entire way. And again, stop me if you've heard this before. You know, it sounds like it's K-State or Oklahoma. Although, you know, he he is making sure that uh, the KU followers on Twitter uh, get a little excited with his uh, tweet with a red and blue heart and a picture of him in a KU uniform. Uh, and you know what? Credit where credit's due. Lance Leifold is having a pretty good uh, recruiting class for himself. So how would you handicap, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Boganowski's uh, or Boga? I think I've been calling him Boga. Um I have no idea if he likes that. Uh, here I am, a 31-year-old guy giving a nickname for a uh, high school senior to be. Where have I gone wrong in life? Uh, but what 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 would you handicap them, and what, what has K-State done right, and who are they trying to hold off? Uh, so, again, K-State, stop me if you've heard this, was the first offer, Michael Boronowski. And they did, they did uh, I think it was in October, and they've always just been there, and – what they've done right i mean they're hitting all the right notes the family loves k-state like you said he isn't originally from kansas he's actually from nebraska originally and then they moved to junction city but they've hit all the right notes and they're they've always been right there and at first it looked like uh in like february march that nebraska was going to be the the thorn in k-state side for boganowski but now it's kind of transformed to oklahoma and it, again, is kind of like a coin flip where I'm not sure what he's thinking. If I was to put it in tears again, I'd say K-State, Oklahoma, 
And then I'd honestly put Florida State, KU, Stanford. Because Florida State and Stanford also really turned his head on the visit. But I, I think that he is very conflicted right now about what to do. And it looked like at one point a decision was kind of imminent. But now I'm not as sure. I'm kind of thinking that it might be maybe towards the end of the month. But he wants to get it out of the way before his season starts. But it went from looking sooner to now later. It It's a recruitment that, like Bricks, and I hate saying this all the time, that it really just feels up in the air. And I, I've said for a few weeks now that I think that they're going to get at least two of the trio of Bricks, Boganowski, Massey. And, and I still feel that way. And I know that I said that I predicted Bricks to K-State, but like I, I, I genuinely don't really know what either of these two are thinking. Because it it's so close that anything kind of feels like you're just pressing to get something out there. But K-State's right there for both. And I wouldn't be surprised if they get both or if they get one. Yeah, it's going to be wild. And I... I, I'm interested. I, I can't wait to see where things go. If they were to land both of them, it would be, I mean, it would be absolutely wild. I, and I, I do think that you could be seeing like average rating of a recruit. If you were to land both of them, this class might be one of the better ones because, you know, it's, it's going to be a smaller ca- class. I think there's a real chance you could see, you know, when you look out on signing day, K-State around 10th in the big 12, because, Hey, you're only grabbing, between 12 and 14. I would just say, look at the average rating of some of these guys when uh, that day comes, because this class is just high quality with good wins across the board. The class right now with only having seven is only like, and it's like 0.36 short on a composite rankings for compared to last year. So it's right there right now. You got Bricks and Boganowski, you're probably going to have a higher average. Yeah, it, it's wild. It's a great time. Great time to be covering K State football recruiting. And we're going to talk about the Big 12 preseason team. But before we do, if I was filling out a preseason poll for the top breweries in the state of Kansas, you know the number one spot would be Manhattan Brewing Company. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. The beginning of every great summer night begins at Manhattan Brewing Company or with a four-pack from MBC. I took up a bunch of beers to my buddy Matt up in Illinois. We were crushing those on his patio while grilling up some brats and watching a fireworks show in Illinois on the 3rd of July. And I just thought to myself, this is peak summer right here. Crack open a towny wheat is refreshing. It is delicious. And I promise you that is going to be your new favorite wheat beer and your new favorite beer. I don't know. Maybe you're not a wheat beer guy. I guarantee if you walk into Manhattan Brewing Company, you look up at their countless taps, you're going to find your new favorite beer. They have crowlers to go, four packs to go, and be polite about it. But if your local liquor store does not carry Manhattan Brewing Company, throw a tantrum that a two-year-old would be jealous of until they promise you that they will bring some in. Manhattan Brewing Company, it's the best damn beer I've ever had. Uh, I keep doing do, new uh, taglines there. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, so as I said at the segues. top, yeah, I, I, it's what I do. This is this is why they pay me a million dollars. They don't pay me a million dollars. That'd be pretty awesome, though. 
Uh, let's let's get into it, and, and let's first start with the guys who did make the preseason teams. So that's how we're going to start. Kobe Savage, Cooper Beebe. We'll get to uh, we'll get to the newcomer of the year, Ben Sennett as a fullback, and Philip Brooks as a returner. K State tied with, I believe it was KU and. Was it Oklahoma State? Um, Someone else with four. Uh, TCU. So yeah, Texas TCU. Texas had five players. KU had four. K-State had four. TCU had four. Houston and UCF with none. Let's start with the guys who did get picked. Let's start with Kobe Savage. Um, are you surprised at all? Was he on your ballot? You didn't submit. Um, and I'm pumped for it. I think it's going to happen. Uh, but is there any sort of uh, hang-up putting those sort of expectations on uh, Kobe Savage coming off of an ACL tear? Uh, see, the funny thing is that I also forgot to hit submit on uh, my ballot last year, and it worked out pretty well for Case 8. So That is good. You <laughs> might have to do all the work but not submit it every year if we keep winning the uh, Big 12. But uh, Kobe Savage was not on my team, but – in our initial outline, he was going to be somebody that I talked about that I was going to talk about. Of I wouldn't be surprised if he makes first team All Big Twelve. So I I don't think that it's too high of expectations for him because of how good he was last fall when he played. That yeah, I, I think that second he, team All uh, Conference last year. That that if he comes in and it is healthy, that it's not out of the question that he is first team All Big Twelve. And I mean I. It took me a lot to not put him on my first team. Let's get to Cooper Beebe next. Uh, I had him as my preseason offensive player of the year. I've been I've been quite vocal about that. I also had Kobe Savage on mine, uh, so shout out to Kobe Savage. Uh, but he's a two time defending off or uh, offensive lineman of the year. I think it was a no doubt he was going to be first team All Conference. But and you and me, our, our little uh, text thread back and forth before we hit send, he was not unanimous. Now, I don't believe there was a single unanimous uh, pick. Xavier uh, Worthy was. Okay. Well, that, yeah. My God. Okay. So I was about to say no one was unanimous. So, you know, it is what it is. There's so many voters, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that kind of throws that out the window. How in the, mom, please plug your ears. How in the fuck? Is Cooper Beebe the two-time offensive lineman of the year, postseason award, last year an All-American, a first-team All-American at that? How is that not on your preseason list? I, I think we need to find whoever left him out, tar and feather them, and throw over-ripened tomatoes at their face before the first K-State football game. Yeah, I, I have nothing really to say. Cooper BB, the the most one of the most accomplished offensive linemen that K State's ever had. Take away anybody's votes that didn't have him in on the first team. That, that that's all I have to say. He's gonna be a first round pick next April. I mean, I, I, it just it just flabbergasted because again, look, should they have more stringent, um, you know barrier to entry to vote in this probably i got to vote this is the second time i've done it i could have done it for five straight years should they be letting me do this probably not but i'm also a heisman voter so it is what it is 
Um, but if you did a, if you did a little bit of research, how do you see this and not have them? I mean, so that's kind of what that's kind of what I was going to get to because I think the baseline of research is you pull up last year's uh, all, all Big Twelve thing uh, team and you just kind of look at okay, how, how did last year end? Who's coming back? All this type of stuff. And if you see that the two time offensive lineman of the year is returning. I mean, that's just negligence. Like I, I I want to know who didn't do it and and I want to hear their explanation and they'd probably be like, Oh, it was just a mistake. But I I, I feel like that is as dumb of a mistake as you could make. I I also love Xavier worthy, but get the hell out of here with him being the one that's the one unanimous Jalen Ford also wasn't unanimous, but Xavier worthy was. Yeah, I, I I don't buy that. I I I will say this. I I think Xavier Worthy could have a pretty big year. Um, if you go back and look at uh the last wide receiver to win the Heisman, his offensive coordinator was Steve Sarkeesian, and I think that there's a chance he could have like an absolutely massive year. So I'm not gonna really dump on him. Um, but. I just I just I'll, think I'll dump on him for being the only unanimous guy. That's fair. That is fair. That is fair. So it is what it is. I I hate it. I think that's stupid. And well, um, especially God, now this is really pissing me off because then you 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 have five offensive line spots. How is BB not hitting your five? That, that that's an amazing point because they don't even make you be like, all right, who's your center? Who's your guards? Who are your tackles? You could put five guards if you want. And I think you'll get three receiver spots and Correct. Worthy was in all of them. Every single one, BB, yeah. But BB, BB yeah. isn't in all Absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. Uh, but BB's going to be a beast. Again, I, I think the only chance he's not the offensive lineman of the year is if the coaches and SIDs just are like, eh, let's not give it to the same guy three years in a row. Otherwise, I think he's going to get it, and I think he's going to have another All-American type season. And then uh, let, let's pick get... in April. What? And then be a first round pick in April. I sure hope so. Uh, it, it would be kind of fun, you know. Uh, you know, the Chiefs move on from, uh, you know, the highest left guard, uh, you know, salary in uh, NFL history. Move on from him, and then it's like, well, uh, you know, got to fill that position with someone. Why not spend a first round draft pick? And then you got Cooper Beebe at, at the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, who says no? Uh, let's move on. Ben Sennett getting it, and he got it as a fullback. And this is another thing you and I talked about quite a bit um, because he won the uh, postseason fullback award because he was submitted or he was nominated by K-State as a fullback. Ben Sennett was nominated as our tight end, or Sammy Wheeler was nominated as our tight end last year, Ben Sennett as the fullback. He made the fullback team. Uh, he only was in the backfield. I think he was backfield and uh, backfield and as a uh, slot guy, like only 20% of his snaps, rest of them, like 80% of his snaps he was as a tight end or split out as a wide receiver. But hey, I think he deserved to be on there. And I think it gives kind of an easy out for uh, to put him there because he won it last year and he does line up there. And you're going up against, uh, I mean, maybe the number two tight end in the nation at Texas. So I don't have an issue with him getting that award as a fullback. 
Uh, first off, do you really care? Did you have him as a fullback or tight end on yours? And uh, any if you want to make any sort of hot take about that, you can. But otherwise, uh, we all expect Ben Sennett to have a season that will put him in the conversation for the NFL draft if he wants to leave early. Uh, I I had him as my fullback, but I mean we we all expect uh, Ben Sennett to have a really big year. Uh, the thing that I'll throw out there is uh in the year 2023 do we need a fullback spot on preseason or postseason all big 12 so so what i would do if i was if i was running the big 12 and i was doing this i would have a tight end and then i would have a fullback slash tight end and then i would also have an all-purpose uh uh slot so you could go for another wide receiver or running back um, because who cares? I mean, the the freaking postseason women's basketball team award, they have 10 first teamers. Like, okay, do you can have one tight end and then you could have a fullback slash tight end, and then you could have like an extra offensive weapon or something like that. I don't know. I agree with you. Nobody plays with the fullback enough that that should be its own spot. But I do think that like the the brand of tight end he plays versus other tight ends in the Big 12 is different enough. So maybe they need to do something, but I'm just glad he got the honor because if if he was purely a tight end, he wouldn't have made this list. And I'm glad he did. He deserved to make the list. Oh, he deserves to make it. I I would say he is more fullback tight end than like uh, Jatavian Sanders of Texas. But if he had two tight end spots, I still think that Senate makes it. Yo, I, yeah, I agree. I think that's probably why the 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 that spot should be FB slash TE. Um, but he's gonna have a big year. I'll, I'll I'll give you this. I'll give you this prop bet right now, uh, with no stakes or anything to it. If if it was Ben Sennett versus the field, who is going to lead the the Wildcats in uh, receptions, uh, uh, yards, and touchdowns? Does, are are you going with a clean sweep for him or? one or none of them like how how would you kind of handicap that out i'll go tight ends or for touchdowns i'll go senate but yards and receptions i I think i'd lean keegan johnson i i I don't think that's a i don't think that's a bad choice um and then i think the obvious one and and low-key almost a little surprised this wasn't unanimous philip brooks coming back uh preseason uh punt and kickoff return uh uh, preseason again i think they should just name this award for k-state i think it should be the bill snyder memorial returner of the year award even though he's not dead just dead to me um philip brooks i i mean i think he's gonna get if i set the over under at two and a half for return touchdowns this year what are you taking I, i'd lean under that I... Did, didn't he have two last year and he was only doing punts Yes, but I I'm not so sure he'll be the number one kick returner. I I could see Ooh. Seth Porter being the the main kick returner. I mean, I would be all for it as uh, Seth and Shane Porter's like number two fan, only behind their dad. <laughs> I would be all for it. I would love to see Seth uh, take it to the distance. Um, Did Brooks have a second one? No, the one that I remember is the one against Missouri. Missouri. Did he only have? I think he only had one. Hmm. Uh, I mean, see. you might be right, but I mean, again, in we're seeing less and less returns in both punt and kickoff. I still don't think there's really an argument for anyone else in the conference. Was there? No, but yeah, Brooks only had one and it was against Missouri because uh, South Dakota, they had the blocked punt. 
Oh, yep, yep. And then uh, was it Purnell who got in on that one? Yeah. Yeah, and Ty then, Bowman uh, got the block, right? Yeah. Or, no, or was it one of the Porters? It might have been one of the Porters, and Purnell uh, returned it. Because did Bowman <laughs> score a touchdown in 2021 on a blocked punt? Yes, that's what it was. Okay, that's what it was. Okay, so I knew he got in there. Yeah, he he had he had one punt return for a touchdown. He did average twelve last year, which I believe led the Big Twelve. So I I think it makes sense. I I think he is a worthy winner of that. Let's get to the next one. Trayshawn Ward actually got newcomer of the year, and that's the one K State uh, mention I didn't have. I did not have Trayshawn Ward as my newcomer of the year. You and I talked about this again. I think I talked about my ballot more than. Uh, with you than anyone else. I thought about it. I didn't end up doing it because as one of my, and I made an effort to try to get guys from all the different teams. I actually had Aiden Robbins from BYU. He is a transfer in from uh, UNLV. I had him as my number two running back on my uh, ballot. And I had him as my newcomer of the year. But part of it is because, and, and I, I think Ward is going to have a massive season. I just don't know if he's going to have more touch than DJ Giddens. And so I was like kind of in a position where I'm like, well, you know, if I, if I'm putting a, a transfer in from, uh, you know, another school on my first team, I, I, I don't think I can go there with, uh, you know, Ward. Um, so I didn't do it. I was a little surprised to see that pop up. Were, were you surprised when you saw it announced? I was surprised when I saw it announced. And, and like you, like I, I thought about putting Ward as my newcomer of the year. And thought about it for a while, and I ended up we ended up picking the same team because I did Keaton Slovis of BYU as as the quarterback. But my reason for going with uh, Slovis wasn't even that I had him like highly on uh, my team list, but it was more of a I, I just feel like as a quarterback, you get to put up a lot more numbers than you do at running back, especially with Trayshawn Ward maybe only getting 50-50 with Giddens. That I wasn't sure if it was enough to like logically say, Hey, I'm going to put Trayshawn Ward here, even though I think that he could have a really, really big year because it's like you said, like, I, I just don't know because he's not going to get all of the touches. I don't know if he'll have the stats to get it. Yeah. I I'm right there with you. I, I, I would love it. If Ward ends up being the newcomer of the year, I think that's going to be massive. And I don't think that takes away from, DJ, I think that there's like a chance like both these guys could have like 900 yards from scrimmage. Um, hell, they both could come close to a thousand yards from scrimmage. I think DJ was around 600 last year. I forget how many Ward ended up uh, with Florida State, but I think they both were over six yards per touch uh, when you take into account what they did in the passing game. So I, I think the running back position is in great hands for uh, for K-State. Oh, yeah, they, they could each hover – over 700 yards rushing i think that i would say that you're crazy for saying that they'd have two 700 yard guys just on the ground yeah it's gonna be exciting so um we'll kind of wrap up um the k-state portion of this uh i had so guys that i had on my ballot who did not get picked i went with daniel green i think he is gonna have a massive bounce back year because he uh was banged up all last year and one of the questions in blitz month last year actually was, uh, you know, because I believe Felix was the preseason defensive player of the year. 
I was asking, okay, is he actually going to be the K-State defensive MVP? Is it going to be him or Daniel Green? Because I was so high on him coming into last year. I think Daniel Green is going to wreck some fools this year. And then I had KT Leviston on my list as well. A shout-out to DY. I believe he actually uh, put it out on K-State Online predicting it. He said that he's seen enough uh, ballots that had KT on it. KT gets left out. Those were the two guys I had close. Are there any guys on the ballot you didn't submit uh, that weren't uh, on there? And again, you might have been the difference between KT making the All Big 12 and not. Yeah, I was about to say, now I feel bad because KT was on mine and so was Daniel Green. But I, I think that those two were kind of the the probably the most obvious choices uh, of guys that didn't make it. Because I, I think that KT is going to have a really big year, and I think that he might end up getting drafted next April as well. And and I kind of think that it seems with how this kind of went that everybody kind of forgot about Daniel Green after last year and how he was hurt for most of the year and really cranked it on near the end of the year. But it, it seems like everybody just kind of forgot about him. And I, I think he probably likes it, and that will uh, fuel him. Jalen Ford was my defensive player of the year, and he he got that award um, from the voters um let's just talk about this one and then we'll we'll kind of wrap up getting uh our uh bottoms up on our media poll how we predict they will finish that will be coming out on uh thursday if you're listening to this on release day um so uh mr daniels uh from the university of kansas is the quarterback and the op- preseason offensive player of the year award and i'm gonna say this I, I think he is a good quarterback. I think it's the best quarterback KU has had since Todd Reesing. That being said, I think that there is still kind of a, uh, not a KU tax, but a, a, a KU subsidy when it comes to this football team where people are still so used to KU being absolute dog shit that, oh, they you mean to tell me they don't have the worst quarterback in the conference? They immediately elevate him. Now, I, I think he I think he did enough to belong having the conversation. He was the second team quarterback last year. Um, but what I would say is I don't think he is the best quarterback in his state. I don't think he is the best thrower of the ball. I mean, he might be the best runner. Um, but when you look at his decision-making and all that type of stuff, I'm not convinced that when it is all said and done, if you were doing an actual draft of quarterbacks, even with these media folks, I'm not convinced that he has taken any higher than fourth. I, I think that there was there's just an element of, man, this guy at KU, I mean, he has to be the best. I, I think there's an element of that. Am I off base from your opinion? I, I mean, I, I like Jalen Daniels. But if you look at what he did at Big 12 play last year, I'm not sure how you can say, oh, that's my preseason Big 12 player of the year. I mean, he absolutely feasted on a non-con that uh, was the worst in I mean, in the it NCAA wasn't great. Year. It wasn't great. It definitely was not great. When, I mean, Duke as a whole ended up being their best total win in all of Big 12, or in their entire season, Duke. And he was pretty bad before TCU knocked him out. He was horrible in that Iowa State game. He was, he was not, bad for most of the K-State game. Yeah, was not very good versus K-State. And then in the final play of their season, 
game on the line in a two-point shootout, KU's offensive coordinator takes the ball out of his hands. I I I was shocked when I saw it. Uh I had I had uh Gabriel as my quarterback, so I didn't I didn't have uh Will Howard. Um I had Gabriel um and and I would have Ewers in front of Daniels. I, I would had have Ewers. Will Howard in front of uh Daniels. So I I was shocked. I was legitimately surprised by that. I I, I like Daniels, but you can see that he kind of did feast on two really bad teams in the non-con plus Duke, which Duke at the beginning of the year had one of the worst defenses in the NCAA. Oh, yeah. I mean, like duke just ended up winning a bunch of games like in in a really shitty ACC. as i say in, in the, one of the worst accs in the last decade yeah so and it is what and look I, he's entertaining to watch and he had k-state fans sweating through the first five games of the season k-state fans are like, oh my god daniels i'm worried like i have the receipts like i wasn't worried and he's a fine player I'm just shocked because especially in Texas's final year, I thought it would be yours or I thought it would be worthy. I think that's where Derek went with his preseason player of the year was worthy. So I don't know. I That was just the most surprising thing when, when the all big 12 teams came out. Oh, I agree. It was by far the most surprising thing to me. I, I saw that and then had to double check that I read it correctly. But good for them. And, and honestly, it is adding a lot of spice for the Sunflower Showdown. Uh, so that it's, uh, it's adding yeah. a lot of spice for their season. Like yeah. you have the preseason offensive player of the year. If you don't make a bowl game or you go six and six again, how do you feel? Four, four total teams again. They're right up there with K State, TCU. Um, yeah, with K State and TCU. I mean, if, if you're a KU fan and I had this conversation with Shahan Jairaja, uh, best in the biz. Shout out to yeah, CBS so and Shahan. I want to be his best friend. I, oh gosh, I, I've never wanted to be best friends with anyone worse than I want to be Shahan's best friend. Um, but he and I had the conversation. Um, they could be a much better team and only go five and seven. I think he picked them under six and a half wins. Um I, I agree. I'm in the same boat. I think that they can be better, but still only have either five or six wins. I mean, if they don't beat Illinois, I mean, it, it can it could get dicey. It, and it will be interesting. It kind of reminds me of last year's Iowa State team, which had, I believe, the second or third most players on the preseason poll. Uh, and then we know how that season went. Now, I, I don't think it'll be that bad for KU, but I, I think I, I do. I'm starting to kind of come around and, and say that, KU might be one of the most intriguing teams in the Big 12 to see how they follow up that six and seven, that losing record, but still a banner season for KU last year. I I, I think that them uh, trying to repeat that, trying to get back to a bowl, and also the KU fan reaction. My brother is a KU football season ticket holder. I know a ton of KU football fans. I listen to Kansas City Sports Talk Radio. I think almost every single KU fan would be disappointed with a six and six season. And I I think think... that it's going to create a wild uh, sports talk podcast, Twitter atmosphere surrounding the blue wings, rising Kansas Jayhawks. 
I mean, I, I think it's also interesting to think about like them this coming season, not to just kind of get off topic, uh, but about how they handle all the media praise that they've gotten, because I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, case it has kind of gone through it a few times too of you get all this praise how do you handle it yep. and especially with a lot of with ku right now i mean we know that like they, they aren't used to getting all this praise so how do they handle that and kind of go from there yeah it, it'll be interesting and, and and i do think that's going to be one of the top storylines maybe we'll touch on that um Let's get the uh, Charlie Hustle vintage made fresh question out there. I want to hear your Big 12 preseason poll for the teams from 14 up to 1. And this will be released probably sometime around 1 p.m. on Thursday. So if you guys are listening to it, to this before release date, uh, you'll get to hear it. Um, And if you're listening to it afterwards, you're going to see how close each of us are. 14 through 1, if, if you want to throw any reasoning for specific teams where you have them feel free uh, but the charlie hustle vintage made fresh question is 14 through one let's hear it all right do you want to go 14 and then like i like i say 14 then you go yeah we'll, we'll do that go? We'll, we'll we'll go 14 14 30 yes we'll, we'll do that so I feel who like do you have in your yeah. bottom slot uh i i went with a uh, west virginia in my bottom spot See, I have Cincinnati, but then I have West Virginia next. And I'll say this, you know, the, the Rust Belt of the Big 12, I I think I think West Virginia, I, I still like Neil Brown, and I'm so pumped they're going to fire him, and he never got rolling because I think he's a good coach. But I, I think that that team is not motivated to play for him. And then I also think Satterfield and Cincinnati in absolute uh, shambles. So that's why I have those two at the bottom. Uh, Neil Brown is the classic – you could be a really good coach, but if you don't get the right fit, yeah, you you're not gonna have success. I have a uh, Houston of my 13th spot. I think that Dana Holgerson is also a disaster. So we'll we'll get to where I have Houston. That might be our biggest difference. Uh, I do not have Houston at 13 or 12. Who do you have at 12? Uh, Cincinnati. Okay, so you're pretty low on them. I have BYU there. I think BYU. I go back and forth between thinking BYU could be like a headache for the Big 12 versus a perennial contender in the Big 12 because I I think they're the best brand and they have the best history of any team they brought in. But also their recruiting base isn't going to change. No. Um, Like it is what it is. It's not – they're not going to get an elevated player trying to come to BYU now. Um, So I have them at 12. Um, So we'll see what happens there. Who do you have at 11? Uh, at 11, I have a team that I might have to slide back even further, Iowa State. So I have Iowa State at 11 as well. Um, all sorts of rumors swirling in Ames. Um, there's the ongoing sports gambling uh, investigation. When will the penalties be announced? Who all is included? Allegedly, Hunter Deckers is one of them. Allegedly, some of their projected uh, starters on defense i have them at 11 as well i think there's next to no shot the cyclones are bowling this year all right let's get to 10 next uh ucf i just don't know a lot about them and i don't love their quarterback situation so that's another one we're going to have a big uh differentiation on uh which might actually be i i said 
Houston might be our biggest one. I think that might be our biggest difference. At 10, I do have KU. I, I think ultimately they're going to go three and six in the Big 12. And, and I, I think from 10 up to seven, it's going to be a hodgepodge. I could see it all going different ways, but I have KU at 10. Who do you have at nine? Uh, BYU, kind of like you. I think that they might be just a headache for everybody. So not nine feels like a good spot. I don't love Keaton Slovis, but I, I feel like eventually he has to figure it out because he's super talented. That's where I have Houston. I have Houston at nine. I, I do think that they have a higher caliber roster than Cincinnati and BYU. Dana Holgerson has been in the Big 12, uh, but there's a big kind of boomer bust kind of thing with Houston. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up like third or fourth. I also wouldn't be shocked if they go like 0 and 12 and shit just hits a fan. So yeah, that's going to be a wild one. Who do you have at eight? Uh, probably the toughest team, I think, in the Big 12 to figure out this year, Oklahoma State. I have them at eight as well. And I mean, again, that's another one. When you look at their schedule, if they figure it out. Um, they could be top four or five. Yeah, uh, th- there's some dude who works for uh, some sort of gambling company, some sort of like whatever i i can't remember which it was but he said that he currently has oklahoma state as a underdog in 10 out of their 12 games i feel like that's wild i don't buy into that um but that's another one where it it could be that that could be even more boomer bust than houston i'm not sure if alan bowman is the answer i agree i i agree honestly man it'd be kind of funny if spencer sanders kind of goes off and bowman just saw like I, I think that I, th- there's a chance this could be the final year for Gundy, or he might win nine wins and get another extension. Oh, yeah. They're one of the two, though. Yeah. Let, let's go with seven. Who do you have at seven? Uh, Kind of a team in a, in a bounce-back spot, uh, Baylor. See, we're right there. I have Baylor as well. Again, I don't think they're going to catapult back into being a contention, but I don't think they're as bad as they were last year. I think they'll be a bowl team. I think there'll be a headache. Um, uh, yeah, another so, one where I'm not sure if Blake Shapin is the answer, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's big tall champion Blake Shapin, right? I mean, but he he was I one mean, of the worst quarterbacks at the conference last that's year. That's big though. twelve champion Blake Shapin. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Who do you have at six? Uh, this is where I put Ku. I, I I think that they're going to be better schedule isn't as friendly i mean that's like a seven and five eight and four right i mean but i i like them this is where i'm i'm at with a lot of these middling teams i like them at quarterback more than other other schools no that's completely fair and and i think that daniels will win them games and i'm not sure if blake shapen alan bowman or keaton slovis can, can win baylor Oklahoma state or byu games See, this is where I have UCF. I think that there's a chance UCF could win every single one of their home games. I think that they are going to come in ready set with like the best new home atmosphere. Um, I think they have the best coach of all the incoming teams. Um, I think that they are going to be a problem. I think they're above, I, I think they're below a contender better than a headache i think ucf is a problem so i have them at six who do you have at five uh this is a team that's just tough to figure out for me 
because they, they took a lot of unproven guys in the portal, but are super talented TCU. Yep. That's where I have TCU as well. Again, we're, we're going to kind of see what Sonny Dykes does completely reloading. I had this conversation with Shaham when we were talking about big 12 coaches. I'm not sold on Sonny Dykes as being like a, a tier, let alone an S tier type coach uh, in the big 12. I think he was horrible at Cal. And I think that like, Yes, he he did things at Louisiana Tech and SMU that haven't been accomplished in a while. But those things that were accomplished are like finishing like third and fourth in their conference. Um, so I, I think if TCU is around like fourth or fifth, I might have to rethink that. But, you know, they are getting that quarterback that they wanted to start with. You know, they did not want to start with Heisman finalist, my first place Heisman vote getter, Max Duggan. They didn't even want to start with him last year. It's only an injury that did that. So we'll see. And Chandler uh, so, Morris was bad in the first half against Colorado before he got hurt too. That but is yeah, true. That is true. I, I think he's forget gonna, about that. I think Chandler Morris is going to be fine though. I don't think he's going to be Max Duggan, but I think he's going to be fine. Um, all right, let's get to the top four. Who do you have at number four? Uh, probably the the hottest team media wise right now, Texas Tech. Yeah, that, that's where I have them as well. I think that they are, and I'm a believer, uh, and I don't know, I, I think it kind of flies in the face of like kind of my Sunny Dykes hate, um, but I, I like where their program's going. I like their coaching staff. I like the way they're recruiting. I think they're the third best team in the Big 12, but as you'll see who my number three team is, I think that their schedule is just a lot tougher Oh, I number agree. Number three team, and I think we both have them. Oklahoma's we, number three, right? Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma has a cake schedule. Yeah, it's the I, easiest I, schedule in the Big Twelve. Easiest I, overall schedule. What their toughest non-con game is a home game versus SMU, right? Right. I mean, it's at Tulsa, and then like Arkansas State maybe in the opener. I mean, it's it's a snooze fest. SMU could give them a little bit of an issue, and if I think that if we see that S- that SMU can give them an issue, I don't know where their season goes. That's true. That is true. Um, but but I think it's cake, and uh, I think they're going to go ten and two, nine and three. Uh, but I was not going to have uh, a Red River top two. No chance. Um, my number two is Texas. I, I think you have K-State. I have K-State number yeah. one. I went homer. I wasn't going to go. I was not going to go Texas number one. This is why people like me shouldn't have a media vote. Um, or maybe it is. Whatever. I mean, like, Texas has all sorts of their fanboy sites and, like, people who are probably just as, if not more, unbiased than me. Um, so we both have K-State versus Texas in the Big 12 championship game. Here's my question to you. Um, just say yes or no. Texas is the most talented team in the Big 12. Yes, easily. K-State has the best coaching staff in the Big 12. Yeah. I mean, th- that that's what I, I think. I could hear an argument for that, yeah. Because I'm not going to say, like, if you're just talking about raw talent, I don't know if K-State has a top two team, but I think that they do have the top coaching staff in the Big 12, and they have a good enough talented team. I think they have a top five talent team in the number one uh, best coaching staff and they have the experience. So that's why I'm going with them number one. Um, and it will be interesting because it's like, okay, is Texas going to Texas? You know, the meme of is Texas back? Um, it's it's going to be a fun season. And and I I, I will predict a, a rematch 
K-State versus Texas in a 75% orange Jerry world. It'll feel like a road game. I mean, I, I feel like I fall for this every year, but it, it, it just feels like with the schedule especially, because it, nobody really knows even what Alabama's going to be. It feels like this is the year that Texas has to figure it out, or they might not. So I, I think you're o- only always just like one great coaching hire away from being back and places that Texas and Oklahoma can get you a national championship caliber coach. I don't think Sarkeesian's that, but I'm kind of with you when you look at their talent and you know, he's not an idiot. Like I, I think, I think Charlie strong was in over his head. He couldn't handle being the Texas coach. And, you know, I, I just think that, um, you know, Sark is up for it. I, 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 th- I think, you know, again, I, I think it is going to be those two teams. It's going to be exciting. Um, and I look, I, I don't, I don't think, I think the only argument for K-State not making it back to Arlington is Oklahoma schedule, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you're even more on board with Texas Tech than you and I are. Um, but I, I, I think the best argument against K-State making it to Arlington, assuming no catastrophic injuries is Oklahoma schedule. It, like it, it's actually crazy how easy Oklahoma's conference schedule even is. I mean, they they play I think the teams that are projected to be like I think three of the t- bottom four in the Vegas projections. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. Um, so that's where we have them. It'll be interesting to see where things land uh, on Thursday when that's announced. I might do a mini episode on Friday talk or uh, they'll release on Friday talk about, or I might fold that into my Monday show. Uh, but we're going to finish with the Manhattan Brewing Company. Final four questions of the pod for you, Drew Galloway. Number one, what is the top thing you hope to learn at Big 12 Media Days next week? Ooh, uh, top thing that I hope to learn is more kind of about uh, conference realignment and kind of hearing where uh, Brett Yormark's stance is on things that are happening and learning a little bit more about Big 12 Mexico as well. Yes, that, that'll be interesting if he gives us a little bit more uh, information on Big 12 Mexico. I believe everything will be on ESPN Plus and ESPNU for those who want to. And, of course, be tuned in at KSO. I won't be there, sadly, uh, but it is what it is. I'm I'm content with that. Um, all right, question number two. Who is going to be the most fascinating team to follow in the Big 12 this year? I kind of made my case for it being KU. I don't know if I'd ultimately answer KU, but for you, who do you think is going to ultimately be the most fascinating team to follow this year? Uh, I mean, honestly, I think it might be Texas because it's like it's like what we just talked about, how the, with the schedule in Alabama being kind of a question mark right now, if they lose the game, if as it stands right now, I think if Texas loses to Alabama, it's probably worse than it. I think it's worse now because Alabama doesn't really have a quarterback right now. Receivers still kind of in the air. So if they lose that game, I think that we kind of see where Texas is at more than if they win. Because if if the game was at Austin, I, I think Texas would be like a three, four point favorite at, at, as things stand right now. Yeah, that's going to be a fascinating one. Uh, question number three, K-State player not on the radar for preseason Big 12 honors that will be on everyone's radar for postseason honors. Like KT's on, Ooh. like he was on ballot. Yeah, he counts. D 
Daniel Green is a former first team all Big 12 guy. He doesn't count. So you can't use either of those two. But like, so just someone completely off the beaten path. I'll say Austin War. Austin War was really, really good last year and until he started to get worn down near the end of the year. And I think that this year, with all the linebacker depth, that we'll see a more fresh Austin War and it'll be more of the Austin War that we saw in the first like six, seven games and the one, the Austin War that we saw the last six or seven games. All right. And then the final question is predict Coach Kleiman's Big 12 Media Day fit, his outfit. So, Color of suit, Ooh. color of shirt, tie, and shoes. What do you predict he's rocking? I'll go. I'll go with a like a black suit, white shirt, purple tie, black shoes. Just like flat purple. We getting a pattern? Is it going to be a power cat tie? Oh, it's going to be. A, it's probably going to be like a solid purple tie. Solid purple. Are we going like pure black or charcoal? Any pinstriping? We'll go charcoal. He's he's more of a classic laid back kind of guy, so it'll probably be something like pretty like basic and simple, like a black, white shirt, purple tie, black shoes. I love it. I love it. All right, and then just plug anything you guys got going on at K State Online. Uh, this will drop uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, tell anyone uh, what you guys got cooking up over there, uh, and then I I assume. Uh, it goes without saying you guys will have a lot of stuff down at Big 12 Media Days. Oh, yeah, we'll have a ton of stuff at Big 12 Media Days. Uh, stay tuned because, uh, like we talked about earlier in the show, that uh, Bricks and Boganowski could pop at any time. So stay tuned for the latest uh, information there. Uh, basketball transfers, I mean, we'll, we'll have uh, stuff kind of as that comes more available as well. And we're going to have a lot of a ton of team stuff coming out because I mean uh fall camp is just around the corner. Yeah, I, I I truly believe like June is the worst month. I think July goes pretty quick with media days and all this type of stuff to talk about. So uh I'm pumped to be subscribed over at K State Online. And uh folks, uh you know you you might be hearing uh from Drew again in July, but there's a chance the next time you guys hear Drew it'll be during the Blitz Month Preview Series. So stay tuned. I'm sure we'll have more of Drew soon. Uh, but that's all we have. Uh, keep an eye on uh, the podcast feed. Might have a quick reaction to how the Big 12 uh, team rankings go. That might wait till Monday. But regardless, we're getting at least two episodes a week every single week in July before we go back to five a week in August through the end of the year. So for Drew Galloway, one of the main guys over at K-State Online. I don't play favorites, but he might be my favorite over at K-State Online. I, I, I love D.Y. Uh, I lo- Honestly, I've loved everyone who's come through K-State Online. <laughs> There's been a great pedigree of folks. But for Drew, for, for D.Y., fuck it. For D.Y., for Chauncey, the best dog in the world. For all the K-State fans, we love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the to the wise wild cat in spirit wild cat in fight hail alma mater from sea to sea onward forever hail victory but fight 
UK State Wildcats form alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! Podcast Network.